Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. I'm really pleased you've made it. Um, today is, would you believe it, the 13th online service that we've had together. Wow. Wow, great stuff. We've got communion coming in a little while. So if you didn't know we we're going to take communion today, if you want to get some uh, elements together, some bread, some wine or something like that, that'll be really good. Don't forget you want to, you need to mute yourself while we're in the service as well. Last week, Jill was brilliant, getting everyone to do it. But I know you can do it easily, can't you, nowadays? So if you can just make sure you're, you're on mute, unless you're contributing out loud to something we're doing, that'll be really good. Thank you. So it's our house group tomorrow. We'll be doing it on Zoom, as you know. And then uh, in about an hour's time, we're going to meet on in breakout rooms so we can have a chat have a pray if you wish to if you need to get up and get lunch ready or whatever you need to do about 12 o'clock then obviously go and do that but uh yeah if you want to stay in and pray and chat with some people in smaller groups that's what we'll do in about an hour we're going to start with a, a great song in a moment or two the trouble is when you're choosing songs lots of things happen during the week and you think oh I'll change what I said originally and go for this song instead. And that's what I did on Thursday morning. I changed it. But then I went back to my original idea. <laughs> I thought I'd let you know, because if you were there on Thursday morning at the prayer meeting, you'll, you'll think, oh, you didn't say we we're going to sing this. This is, uh, this is what I'm getting to. I'm just going to uh, sort of show you something. Can you see what I did then? I'll do it again. I find it, like I was saying last week, very hard to sit down and worship God and to listen to people preaching. I much prefer to stand up. So if you want to sing and stand up, you're very welcome to. It'll help you have some good gusto, move your body about if you want to, clap along if you want to. You're in your own home. You can do what you like. I'll let that sink in because you're all on mute and you're not going to say anything. So that's OK. But if you want to stand up and really go for it, because we serve a God of wonders, a God who's incredible. I don't really often read in the Bible where people worship God sitting down and just sort of slightly gave it a bit of a, a hand clap. They went for it. So be welcome to go for it if you wish to today. So let's pray and then we're going to begin our, our song worship singing tell out my soul in a few moments so lord we welcome you here thank you that you're in in our lives you're in our homes we welcome you come and take charge of what we're listening to what we're doing how we focus on you this morning because lord we want you to be glorified amen amen so let's sing together Stand up if you wish, if there's room, and we're going to sing Tell Out My Soul. And after this, Young Chu is going to bring the uh, intercessions for us. Tell out my soul. Tell out my soul, the greatness of 
trial pots and stubborn are put to fight. The hungry fed the humble living. Let's sing verse three again. Tell out my soul, my greatness of his mind. your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we ask you, uh, we lift up our government in UK to have a heavenly wisdom to govern the nation in this critical time. Lord, also uh, easing the lockdown in wisdom and would you please help? Uh, this will, will not spread COVID uh, rapidly, but Lord, Please help our nation to uh, be developed, Father, in a right way. Father, please uh, give wisdom to, to those who are in leaders' position. Lord, we pray for our churches in these nations to stand in the prayer and intercession. And Father, through this time, spread gospel to those who are in need and hunger for God. And please give wisdom for also our leader, John and Jill, uh, and all our church members of our church. Lord Jesus, we uh, also pray for our mass media in this nation to communicate what is true and helpful for people in truth and wisdom. Mm -hmm. Also, we pray that uh, give comfort those who lost their family members and suffering because of the COVID-19, Lord, please help. Uh, vaccine can be made soon. And also, Father, give them comfort and then uh, to receive who you are in their lives. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we uh, pray for uh, global Black Lives Matter issues. We ask you to your justice and reconciliation to be done rather than violence or evil opportunity, Lord Jesus. We ask you to protect also, no need to protest today, to be safe and to be heard what people desire and what's uh, your uh, truth of justice to be done, uh, yeah, rather than um, the evil opportunity, Lord Jesus. We ask you uh, that your justice to be done and Father, we know that you show no partiality. Father God, uh, through, through that, people uh, could in line in their mindset with the truth. And uh, Lord, please help also uh, the people of you, people of God, uh, to stand against injustice and then pray for uh, your justice to be done. Father, we ask you uh, through that, uh, your, uh, the living words, the gospel, the, your truth uh, to be widespread because that's what you are in mind in truth. And uh, also we ask you to, uh, uh, through forgiveness, uh, unity to become. Yeah, I asked also David to pray about this matter too. Um, dear God, thank you so much for the Black Lives Matter movement and the awakening 
um, in our society of us just opening our eyes to the injustice that's happening. Um, and God, we just ask that you just bless all these um, peaceful protests that are happening on in the UK and around the world, that you would um, just protect all, all of us who are going, all the people who are there, that they would remain peaceful. <clears throat> and um, just a shout for um, just going against injustice would be heard and that action would be taken from the government, from society, from individuals. <clears throat> and just, um, you know, just in Western society in general, God, um, we just thank you for this movement. We ask that, um, yeah, we just thank you for the people who are hearing about you through Black Lives Matter in America, God, and we just ask for the same in the UK as well, God, that through this, um, we can just be united as one, that we can just pray and intercede for reconciliation, justice, peace, love, and joy, God, that through this people come to know you um, and find the freedom that's in you. Um, so yeah, in Jesus' name, pray. Amen. Also, Lord, we pray for Kathy and Jeff. Father, we ask you for your heavenly healing and powerful healing come upon them and mm. for the healing of their, those COVID and also Kathy's uh, stroke. And Father, we ask you to also uh, help them to be able to rest during the evening uh, for uh, thoroughly uh, they can sleep. Lord Jesus, uh, also give their, uh, give their heart for peace and strength and to know that, that you are with them. And Lord Jesus, help uh, this time um, that they can come out, Father, uh, healed and uh, uh, with joy and thanksgiving, Lord Jesus. Father, we also uh, ask you to protect uh, our elders in our church and also those who are vulnerable. Uh, please protect them physically uh, and also emotionally as well as, as uh, the lockdown is going uh, ongoing, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you very much. It's really easy to see who's here when we can see people's uh, pictures, but sometimes people come on the phone, and we've got two people on the phone today, Jill Bridgewater, who we know who's been on many times, and that's great. Also, we've got Margaret Ball joining us this morning on the telephone, so it's really good that you're joining us today, Margaret. Thank you for being able to do it and joining us today. Last week, we had a stirring testimony. It really got me going uh, from Ruth. And today I want to share something that happened to me and Jill yesterday because we went to Stratford because we're allowed to nowadays, aren't we, to go a little and uh, sort of just relax a little bit. And so on the way back from Stratford, we called in a, a drive through for a cup of coffee. So as normal, you put your windows down because otherwise you can't get the stuff through the window, can you? It's something that I've learned with doing drive through Unless you put the window down, you can't get the stuff, the coffee in. But the problem was, when we want to put the window up, I couldn't, because it wouldn't. It just, it was just there. We managed to force the window up halfway, but there's all kind of mangling noises using onomatopoeia a little bit. So, so we thought, oh no, what are we going to do? So of course you pray for, you pray about it, don't you? And so as we're travelling home with the wind going through our hair, uh, we were sort of saying, Lord, what should we do about this? We knew that our normal garage was closed on a Saturday, so that was no chance. But when we went sort of back to home, we went straight to Atterborough Fields Industrial Estate to the uh, second garage that I sometimes use. That was closed as well. So I thought, Lord, did I hear you right to come to Atterborough Fields? So I thought, right, I know there's another garage I've never used it, but I know it's near where uh, Jill goes somewhere sometimes. And so we went there and it was open. And I thought, oh, this is marvellous. So we drove on to the forecourt and explained what had happened. And he says, OK, come back in an hour and I'll have fixed the window in that it will be secure. So it won't be totally fixed, but uh, I'll be able to make the, the window go up, put some wood underneath so it's secure. And then if you come back Tuesday or Wednesday, I'll have the parts and you can sort and then we can sort it out then. So that's a real answer to prayer for us, a practical answer to prayer from the Lord that we thought, oh, thank you, Lord, that most garages would be shut on a Saturday afternoon. This one was open. We could do what we needed to do. So it was a real answer to prayer. Hip, hip, hooray, we said 
to each other because God is good and it was really a miracle for us that God answered our prayers like that. We're going to sing a song now. We haven't sung it together before, but it's something about communion. So I thought what we'd do is, is have it. We're going to start with the chorus. So if you're not so sure about how it goes, you'll be able to at least pick up the words of the chorus because that's the, uh, the easier bit, as it were. So let's sort of sing this. Praise the Father. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Praise the Spirit. Three in one. God of glory, majesty. Praise forever to the King of Kings. Praise the Father. Thank you. 
Bible reading is from Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, and we'll we'll skip to Romans chapter 5 from verse 12 to end of chapter 6, which is 23. So read chapter um, Matthew first, Matthew chapter 1, 21. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, till end of chapter 6. Therefore, just as sin enters the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if, by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. But just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteous to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we go go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that Jesus as Christ was raised from the dead. Through the glory of the Father, we too many live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slave to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, He died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. 
for sin shall no longer be of master because you are not under the law but under grace what then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace by no means don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves you are slaves of the one you obey whether you are slaves to sin which leads to death or to obedient which leads to righteousness but thanks be to god that through you used to be slave to sin you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness i am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever increasing wickedness so now offer yourself as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness when you were slaves to sin you were free from the control of righteousness what benefit did you reap at the time from the things you are now ashamed of those things result in death but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of god the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord Thank you so much. That makes a great impact, doesn't it, to, to hear that. So we're going to listen to Nick speak in a, in a few moments. He looks like a special correspondent on a television news programme, I think, at the moment. But uh, he is our special correspondent, so that's great for this morning. But before we listen to Nick, let's sing a prayer song. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Yeah. 
thank you, Lord, for your words of power to us today. Lord, bless Nick. Help him to hear from you as he shares for us and for our blessing and for our help. Lord, let him hear too. So thank you, Lord. Help us to have our ears open and be ready to receive. Amen. Right, John said, would I speak this morning? And I said, John, what do you want me to talk about? And he said, whatever you like. I thought that's always harder because you've got to choose it yourself. Um, it's easier when he gives me a subject. So I thought, what should we talk about? Now, over the last six months or so, really, um, a theme has been coming through to me, which I've shared with the youth group, I've shared with Michaela with some baptismal preparation. And it's pretty basic, really. It's what is sin? What's the nature of sin? It's obviously pretty important to us. So we're going to this morning discuss the nature of sin. And we do this in two little talks, eight minutes each. The first one is going to be just a little bit more techy than the uh, second one. And in the second one, if you can believe this, we are going to cover the whole of Romans in one minute. That's the challenge. The whole of Romans in one minute. In order to do that, we need a little bit of background knowledge. Um, now, as John pointed out, I've jumped on my techie plane and I've managed to fly all the way to Greece. And behind me, you can see some pictures of Greece. Why do you think I've done that? That is to remind us that God chose to give us the whole Bible in Greek. So if we're going to understand it, we need to have some at least recognition of the fact that it's in Greek. Now, I know some of you are sitting there thinking, oh, the Old Testament's in Hebrew. Yeah, talk to me about it later, because the Hebrew translation is probably the translation back from the Greek. But there we are. So we are going to have to look at just a little bit of Greek to make this easier when we're going to do the whole of Romans in one minute. So we're going to start off by introducing you to someone you've all heard of, very, very famous philosopher called Aristotle. Right now, Aristotle was writing and doing philosophy bits uh, about 350 years before Jesus was crucified. So in, in the frame of things, not too long, but 350 years before Jesus was crucified, Aristotle had his pen and his class in hand and he was Aristoteling and philosophizing. That's the first point. The second point is that about 300 years before Jesus was crucified, there were lots and lots of Jews all over the then known world and an awful lot in a place called Alexandria in north of Egypt. And they had forgotten something. They'd forgotten how to speak Hebrew. And most of the Jews of that time could only speak Greek. So they got together, got 70 very clever people and they translated their then Hebrew scriptures into Greek and they wrote something called the Septuagint which is the Greek version of the Old Testament which is the only whole version we have today so hence my statement that it's all in Greek so if we're going to understand what the word sin means we need to understand what the Greek word meant to the Hebrews and the Greeks at that time not what we think it would mean, but what they thought it meant. In the New Testament, there are 33 words translated as sin. Right. So we read sin, but our translators have put that onto 33 separate words. So it's obviously more complicated. Ten of those words are pretty common. And there is one word that jumps out, which is the main word, you'll be pleased to know, only one. And that is the word which gets variously said in English according to which phrase you use. But I'm going to say hamartia. So if you think of hammer, hamartia, it's, it's around that sort of word. That's the one main word for sin. And you've all heard that this means to miss the mark. 
And Homer, when he wrote the Iliad and the Odyssey and things like that, he used it quite a bit to mean to miss the mark. But Homer was a long time before Aristotle. And Aristotle went all the way through lots of the use of hamataria in Greek and came up and said, it has another meaning. So this is another flavor to the meaning. And it, to, to Aristotle, it meant a deficiency in character. So hamataria tends to, if you miss the mark, it tends to sound like an action. One thing you do, I missed the mark, I wasn't good enough, so therefore I failed. Aristotle says, ah, no, more to it than that. It's about having a deficient character. Now I'm gonna read this bit to you, which I've taken from a, a Greek dictionary. Uh, the Greek word that describes what many people refer to as the tragic flaw of the hero, I love that, hero, tragic flaw. So what it's saying is in Greek stories, the hero has a tragic flaw. There's, there's a lovely sort of counterbalance there, isn't there? That's the meaning of this word. Um, refers to the tragic flaw of the hero in Greek tragedy. Hamaturia has a complex meaning, which includes sin, error, trespass, missing the mark, as in missing the bullseye. Um, but the main meaning is it's the hero's descent into misfortune as determined by the nature of his or her particular hamataria, his particular weakness. That's the root meaning of hamataria, not just miss the mark, but also a weakness in your personality. So you can make up your own Greek tragedy. Um, if you're gonna make a Greek tragedy up, you, you have to start off with an individual who is going to become very great and very important, but they have this little weak flaw. And this little weak flaw is going to cause their, them to, to collapse. So I, I, I thought of one and I thought my Greek hero likes flowers. Okay, this is his hamataria, his weakness. He likes flowers. So he gets his army together and he's about to conquer the enemy and become the greatest king there ever was, but he makes all his soldiers have flowers in their buttonholes. So they all go into battle with flowers in their buttonholes. And as they're just about to make the surprise attack, the, the hero smells his flower and sneezes. And that alerts the enemy and they get defeated and they all spend the rest of their life in, in, in slavery. That, that's a sort of Greek tragedy, okay? That, that's how it sort of works. But it's making the point that the fatal flaw was in the hero. So the hero has this fatal flaw. So when we read the word sin in the New Testament, yes, it means to miss the mark. Yes, it's about action. But it is also about us all being heroes with fatal flaws. And the result of the cross and Jesus's death and resurrection is that despite you being a hero with a flaw that you probably know about, and you might not like yourself because of your flaw, because they're usually psychological, surprise, God still likes you. That's the result of the cross. Despite your fatal flaw, God still loves you. And we go through the rest of our lives. Yes, our sin, our actions are forgiven. But the fatal flaws we all have continue with us. And our journey as Christians is to learn to discipline our own personal flaws with God's help. And this is the sin that's been forgiven. So if you reread, I'm going to read Romans 3, uh, 21 to 24, which is very well known, translated from the good news. But I want you to think of it as the word sin applying to your flaw, your weakness. But now God's way of putting people right with himself has been revealed. God puts people right through their faith in Jesus Christ. 
God does this to all who believe in Christ because there's no difference in it all. Everyone has fatal flaws and is far away from God's presence because of their fatal flaws. But the free gift of God's grace is to put right through him the fatal flaws. So you see, the, the conquering of sin is not just the forgiving of an action, but it's the development of our spiritual growth, which God gives us the grace and the forgiveness for through the cross. That's the first half. The second half, we're going to do the whole of Romans in one minute. Right. I'll wait for my call for the second half. Nick, that's great. Um, we're so glad you're the special correspondent this morning because you've said something and it helps us to apply it to our lives. It's just not something we can think about and it's something technical, but it's something we can say, Lord, I'm praying about so-and-so just now. I might be a hero, but this flaw that you're dealing with, I want to deal with it as well. So, Lord, thank you so much. In a moment or two, we're going to take communion together. So have your elements ready. We're going to sing a couple of songs first, just expressing our love to God. We're going to sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And again, you can stand up if you want to and express your worship by standing up if you feel that's a good idea.
Thank you for the price you John chapter 3 verse 1 says this see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are so this morning as we take our bread and wine we can say thank you Lord that you've made us your children but you've also, Lord, made us heroes. And Lord, we're so grateful for your work on the cross that we could live and have life more abundantly. So we're going to take the bread together now and we're just going to remember what the Lord did for us in dying and rising again that we could know him. So let's take the bread just now. If anyone wants to pray a short prayer, just unmute yourself and just sort of exclaim to God what you're feeling now, being thankful and, and full of praise for his death for us. But make it a short prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you that you're with us all the time. That you never leave us. You promise you would never leave us or forsake us until the end of the earth. And Lord, we thank you for your goodness and we bless your name. Amen. Amen. So let's take the wine together as, as well now. Just remembering that his blood shed for us has made all the difference. He heals, he loves. He challenges, but he encourages us in all these things. So let's thank him for his love for us in his shed blood. So thank you, Lord, for your amazing, lavish, outrageous, all-consuming love that you didn't just show us 2,000 years ago, but you continue to do in changing and in, in making us new, Lord. 
So thank you, Lord, for your wonderful love in our lives. Amen. Amen. And Nick's going to share again. Although I can't see him. So maybe he has really gone to Greece. And then sort of their <laughs> network has gone down. We were looking for him too. Yeah. Gone. Perhaps he's gone to Coventry. Yeah. Well, no one sent him to Coventry, that's for certain. But Jill was just going to read a psalm while I contact him. And uh, thank you, Jill, for finding the psalm so quickly. That's, that's so fantastic. That's why we're a good team like that. You can just put a hand to anything, Jill can. He's there. Oh, oh, yes, you're back. Ah. All right. We're in customs. You're in customs? Were you? Were you? Because you? you disappeared. Jill, I was just about to ring you up, asking if you were all right. Oh, no, I, I, I was just catching a different plane. Oh, okay then. But we're all ears to hear about these Romans in one minute. That sounds great. Romans in one minute. Okay, well, to do Romans in one minute, we, we needed to understand Paul's central theme of Romans, which is, of course, sin. And we need to, to uh, rather develop our thoughts a little bit that sin is not just the one thing you do that is forgiven but the, the, the meaning of the word is looking at a personality flaw as well it's not it's a complex word but it's meaning that as well the personality flaw that we all have and that when it says all have sinned it means yeah we've all got personality flaws no one's perfect but despite those personality flaws god still loves us and one of our tasks as Christians is to grow in, in grace and to, to develop our Christian life and improve our personality flaws. So if you want Romans, the whole of Romans, in one minute, you can time me. But here we go, right? Romans 1 and 2, the first two chapters. This describes the situation that Paul is in, where he's coming from, who he's going to, the sort of people he's talking to, and why he's taking the tack that he does. Because he's got Greeks, Romans, all sorts of people. Romans 3, he starts to describe the problem, which is sin. Romans 4 to 6, he expands that, as um, Sujin read. It can sound very complicated, but he's expanding the, the, the problem of sin and making it clearer to us. In Romans 7, he describes the effects of the problem and how we struggle with it. And the very famous chapter, Romans 8, of course, he describes the solution, which is in Jesus. Romans 9 to 11, that's special bits for Jews because they have a few special difficulties. And then in Romans 12 onwards, he tells us how to make the solution work, how we should be applying what God has taught us to our own weaknesses so that we can become more like Christ. That's Romans in, I hope, less than a minute. Anybody time me? What was it? How far were we off? Well, wasn't far off a minute, was it? Right. seconds. How long? 53 seconds. Oh, good. 53 seconds. So that's the whole of Romans in 53 seconds. It's all about how we overcome sin and this picture of sin being not just things you did wrong that God has forgotten, but you as a personality, how you become more Christ-like. And that we all have that problem. But we are all unique. But rather than seeing us as failures, God chooses to see us as heroes with flaws that he's helping us overcome but he he's able to forgive us the, the, the errors that we do wrong that's the message of romans so let's just look at a little bit in romans 7 um, because i'm going to read that through with a, a few sort of comments to help us see the struggle that paul is pointing to so in, in romans 7 verse 13 
Paul asks, what's causing me to be a failure? What's causing me to struggle? Now, I like that because if the Apostle Paul felt that he was a failure and he was struggling, um, then you, you've got pretty good grounds to um, feel much the same. You know, you're no different. So Paul says, what's causing failure? Um, it was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin. I like that sin producing death in me. The, the word death here implying more than just dead, but how you feel, uh, who you are. It's producing the, the negative sides in you, the fatal flaws that you have. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh. I am human, sold under sin. I don't understand my own actions. This is the famous bit. For I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I don't want to do. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, it's no longer I who does it, but it's sin that dwells in me. So Paul is able to say, hey, I've been forgiven. So when I do things or I'm not the person I want to be, I'm going to blame sin. I'm not going to blame me. I'm going to blame sin because I've been forgiven. And this, of course, is all predicated on the fact that you care about this. Um, that the Holy Spirit is living in you, you will care about it. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that's in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. And he then goes on a little bit saying, wretched man that I am, who's going to help me in this situation? And then the very famous bit in Romans 8, chapter 1, uh, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So Paul makes it, he really unpacks it, which can make it sound very complicated. But it's simply this. You have flaws Christ is here to help you with your flaws. Don't feel guilty, but try hard. That's the message. And many of us fall over on either not caring enough or feeling too guilty. Um, you should feel as guilty as everybody else because Paul says all have got flaws. We've all sinned. Sin here meaning we all have character flaws. None of us are perfect. We're all of us going to struggle from now to the end of our life to be more Christ-like. Yeah, so here is the message then. This is where we should be tolerant to ourselves. We should be tolerant to each other. This is where the message of, of love comes in. The message of uh, holiness comes in. All based upon this idea that sin is not just what you did, but the struggle that you have as to who you are. So let's go to Romans 12 now, and this is how we should be responding. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, that good and acceptable and perfect will. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's the gift of salvation. That's what Christ did for you on the cross to give you confidence that you can stand before God and work at renewing your mind and make effort to become more like him, knowing that God sees you more as hero for trying than he does failure for failing. So the difference between a Greek tragedy and you is that in a Greek tragedy, it always ends in failure. In the Christian message, it ends in grace and it ends as you saying to yourself, God sees you as a hero. That's the message of Romans. Amen. I've finished. How exciting is that? What a great application for all of us.
that's really good, isn't it? We don't have to put ourselves down and say, oh, woeful, sinful. But how, Lord, you give us grace, love and joy through it all, because you want us to know you more and spread your light. How amazing. Well, we've got one more song together. Remember, to, tomorrow and Tuesday, uh, you'll be able to listen or watch this again if you want to just delve into it again and think about it a bit more. We're going to sing one more song, though. This is Amazing Grace. Who breaks the power of... Sin and darkness. That's the word. There's that word, sin, that Nick's been talking about. So we know what it's saying, don't we? So let's sing this together.
Yet, God, you ask us to do everything we can to be better, to be more like you, to present ourselves as living sacrifices, to be transformed, not to follow the world, but to walk with you. God, you, ha you are already transforming us. I say thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Lord, will you help us this week to acknowledge the truth that we have heard this morning? Help us to live in the joy of that truth and the knowledge that you have done it all. Thank you, God, for this time that we've been able to share together this morning. I pray that your word will be buried deep in our hearts and will change us and affect us and make us more like you, God. Amen. Amen. So we're going to go into breakout rooms in uh, 30 seconds, 40 seconds or so. So if you need to go now, that's great. It's been lovely to see you. Thank you for joining us today. Mark and Ender have already disappeared. Bye, bye everybody. Goodbye. Yeah,